All right. Hey, everybody. I am Melanie Rose here with. I'm Kelly Geist. Hello. And we are the Antler Queens podcast here with our second episode. And today we're going to cover Yellow Jackets, season one, episode two, F sharp, which interestingly has also been referred to online as heart-shaped black box, which is cute and a play on Nirvana's song, Heart-Shaped Box. So um, I thought that was kind of cute. Um, before we dive into the episode, though, we've actually got a little bit of Yellow Jackets news, so we thought we'd share that first. Um, Kelly, would you like to open with some casting news that we have? Certainly. So our favorite uh, red herring, Adam, um, the actor who plays him, Peter Gaddio, was just cast as Red Hair Shanks in One Piece for Netflix, um, live action version. And um, that's about all the news I have today. Um, we also had a birthday this week. Uh, Sophie Nalise, who plays Teen Shauna. Um, I love it. All these Aries. Yes, yeah, hers was uh, March 27th, so happy birthday, a little belated here, but uh, we yeah. always like to celebrate uh, celebrate our Yellow Jackets cast birthdays, so happy birthday to Sophie. Yes, yes, exactly. So today we are covering episode two, season one of Yellow Jackets. The name of the episode is F Sharp. It was directed by Jamie Travis, written by Jonathan, Lis <clears throat> Jonathan Lisko, Ashley Lyle, and Bart Nickerson. The episode summary, as the teens get their bearings among the wreckage, Misty finds hell on earth quite becoming. In the present, revenge, sex homework, and the policeman formerly known as Goth. I, I wish they had just said Goth freak Kevin Tan, but I guess they didn't want to refer to him that way. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so this episode opens up in our past timeline, um, as the plane is crashing. Uh, tell us about this opening scene, Kelly. So, um, we open up with the plane crashing and, um, Van is, one of the first things we see is Van is just punching the crap out of the plane to get her oxygen mask. And this is one of many instances where the universe is trying to kill Van and she refuses to die. <laughs> she's a trooper. She is a trooper. Yeah, I think she's immortal. She's she's like a cat with nine lives. Um, <laughs> and uh, we see Laura Lee praying, and then she's holding hands with Lottie, um, Lottie, who is wearing her, her patchwork rabbit fur coat, which <laughs> I just, I get such a kick out of that thing. And then and, we shift uh, to 1992, right? We yes. see um, Misty in her 1992 bedroom. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> this, this gets my favorite 90s moment of the episode. Misty's absolutely spot on perfect early 90s hair. Uh, the I've, curled bangs. Like that curl of the bangs is impeccable. It's, Nailed I've it. seen so many shows try to recreate it. And it always looks just like way exaggerated because it's a comedy, so it's supposed to be exaggerated. But this is the first time I can recall actually seeing perfect 90s hair, that particular style, just done to perfection. 
Yes, and so that is your favorite 90s moment. Um, and, you yes. know, Misty's entire room had a lot of 90s references. We see some heartthrob pictures on her uh, vanity mirror. Um, mm-hmm. We see uh, the book, The Cheerleader by Carolyn B. Cooney. And um, we think that the guys in the pictures could possibly be Corey Feldman, Leonardo DiCaprio, possibly Luke Perry, who is one of my team mm-hmm. crushes. Um, and then Misty gets a phone call. Tell us about the phone call. Um, really quick first, I just want to point out the book that she's reading, uh, The Cheerleader by Caroline B. Cooney. It was uh, a popular young adult book in the 90s, but I, I just, I really like the, I, I never read it myself, but um, I really liked the description. Cheerleaders are beautiful, popular, and exciting. Girls that Althea longed to be, but Althea is nobody. She gets no phone calls, shares no laughter, and has no friends. Then one day, she meets him, a vampire who offers to make her a cheerleader in exchange for a simple bargain. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, Mm. I thought that was an interesting choice of books to have her be reading. Absolutely. And you know what? We hear in this 1992 scene, Wilson Phillips, Hold Mm -hmm. On. So um, totally nostalgic song choice there as well. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then we um, we hear the phone ring, and the camera pans over to her dresser, where um, where she's got a giant lips phone and a cute little duck lamp. And by the way, um, she's wearing a cat sweater. I thought that I would point that out because there's a lot of cat themes going on around Misty. Mm-hmm. Um, so she answers the phone, and it's a girl named Becky. She's giggling with her friends. And she tells Misty that Robbie Delgado is telling everyone that he and Misty did anal in the janitor's closet. Oh my God. And Misty's response to this, they keep going and they're they're trying to get her. Misty was probably, this was 1992. So Misty was probably like 12 or 13 years old. Mm -hmm. And Misty's response to this is to tell her, you can think what you want, but opinion is the wilderness between knowledge and ignorance. That's Plato. <laughs> yes, that was classic. And, you know, she stays cool, calm, and collected in the face mm-hmm. of these bullying mean girls. So, you know, props to Misty for that reply. And I believe that is your MVP moment of the show, too. Um, my, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, um, that is my MVP moment is uh, is 12 or 13 year old Misty quoting Plato because <laughs> I just I can't imagine I can imagine Misty doing it and no other 12 or 13 year old. Um, yep. But it was it was a great scene. I felt so bad for her um, because she just when the phone rang, you saw her smile. Like she thought like, someone might be calling to invite her to a sleepover or something. Yeah. But in fact, it was the complete opposite. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So I, and, uh, I feel bad for poor little Misty. But she handled it well, given yeah. the circumstances. The Plato quote right off the top of her head like that. She's a quick thinker. And mm-hmm. we learn even more about her quick thinking abilities as we move through the series. Um, okay, so after we see 1992 Misty's room, we are back to 1996. Uh, we see Misty getting up from her seat in the plane. Um, and she sees a girl with a rod going through her neck. And uh, Kelly, that was actually supposed to be another character. So tell us about that. Yeah. So I was listening to an interview with Jane Whittup, who plays Laura Lee. 
And apparently that was originally supposed to be Laura Lee uh, that Misty saw with the rod going through her neck. But they decided to write a bigger role for Laura Lee, which I'm, I'm really happy about because I, I really like that character a lot. And um, yeah, so fortunately, it was just a random red shirt. <laughs> Yes. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of chaos inside the plane wreckage. We had seen Misty trying to get the door open, Ty coming over to help her, um, Jackie pulling Shauna out of there as they see Van actually on fire. They leave her in there so they can try to get out of the wreckage. Um, and then once they get outside, uh, Shauna says, you know, we have to go back and we have to get Van. Uh, Ty is looking for Van. And then she pops up in front of Jackie and Shauna and Van says, surprise. And <laughs> she looks she looks pretty annoyed because clearly they left her to burn to death in the wreckage. Um, so, you know, for me, Van in this episode is my MVP for, first of all, making it out of the plane, but then also for some of the amazing one-liners she delivers throughout the episode, which we'll touch upon yeah. when we get there. But I think that Van really, um, really hit the nail on the head in this episode. She's a survivor. She's unkillable. And I can't believe she made it out of that plane. And clearly she's not happy with Jackie for leaving her in there. Definitely not. I kind of, I, I kind of wish that she had pulled a, uh, a, James Dokes from Dexter and said, surprise, motherfucker. Ah, yes. Oh, my God. That, that would have been oh, great. But... Love Dexter. Love Dexter. <laughs> um, and then we hear, uh, we see Misty, and she hears Coach Ben calling for help. So uh, tell us about that scene. It's a little, uh, little graphic. Yeah. So she hears him calling for help. And uh, first of all, to everyone who's watching this on YouTube, I'm sorry, I'm trying to fix my, I'm having some lighting issues. So I apologize if it looks a little bright on my end. But anyway, um, so Jackie hears Ben calling for help and she runs over, he's trapped underneath some plane wreckage. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the girls had followed Misty over and he asks if, if the girls were able to move it. So they do. And his leg comes almost completely off. I mean, it's hanging by like, dangling by a thread i yeah. mean yikes and fortunately he passes out immediately <laughs> but this was this was my favorite um song moment of the episode just because it's not actually my favorite song that's featured in the episode but it was such a great moment misty chops off his leg yells help me move him and then it just cuts into Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham. And that's the end of the cold open. I just, and I just, I love it. Yep. Yep. Misty thinks very quickly on her feet. I mean, she, mm -hmm. you know, she took a, a Girl Scout uh, or babysitter first aid training course twice. So clearly twice. She, she learned, <laughs> she learned a lot. She learned a lot. Yes. Um, and so after this graphic scene where we see, um, you know, Coach Scott's leg in shambles uh we go back to the present 1996 and we see misty on a date and mm -hmm. she's listing off some of her turn-ons um <laughs> Kelly, why don't why don't you tell us misty's turn-ons bubble baths mm -hmm. walks in the rain that's yeah yep. fun seems pretty normal muscular calves okay i can agree with that escalators hmm. escalators fascinating Knuckles 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 hmm. okay all right and uh the last one and steamed clams because obviously 
yeah, yeah. Um, so that's an interesting list of turn-ons. I think that says a lot about our friend Misty. And yeah. uh, her date, Stan, looks pretty uncomfortable and keeps trying to leave. And, you know, Misty, with her um, pressuring ways, is able to talk him into one more drink. And then they look at the dinner menu. This guy wants out of there, but Misty somehow keeps, you know, drawing him in and this date keeps going. Um, and then we go back to the past again. We go back to 1996. Um, yeah, you know, I I have to say, let me let me ask you, what do uh, what online dating site do you think Misty prefers? Ooh, I top of my head, I mean, it's got to be, I would think Tinder for like the quickies, you know. Um, I don't think she's a Match.com girl because I, I can't see I her looking Tinder. for a a quality relationship. It seems like she's more in it for the hookup my personal opinion. Yeah, you know, I think she probably does use Tinder, but I, I think she also, here's my theory. I think she also likes to, uh, you know how on Facebook, people will create profiles of you and copy your profile photo and all of your friends and then try to spam them with, with some crazy links. Yeah, I think she does that. And I think that's how she tries to get dates. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. I would not put anything past Misty when it comes to really anything, but especially her dating life. That is a an interesting rabbit hole to go down. Yeah. <laughs> um. So we are back to 1996 uh, at the plane wreckage. We see Misty starting to take charge and uh, Akila asks her how she knows all of this. And as I said earlier, um, she took the Red Cross babysitter training class twice mm -hmm. and uh, as we start to see she kind of lives for this you know savior role play she wants to be needed you know given her history of being bullied she just wants to be accepted and I think this this role for her you know um, kind of being in charge and and helping everybody you know um, really feels good to her yeah yeah absolutely um, and then she goes to check on Ben's leg. She says the bleeding has been slowing down, but they need to disinfect it. Um, this is, of course, you know, um, his leg has been mangled. And uh, Laura Lee looks at Nat and says, hey, maybe somebody brought some contraband, because obviously everybody expects Nat to have a giant bottle of vodka or something, um, <laughs> which, of course, she does. And then um, my friend Van, my MVP from the episode, finds some Seabreeze, awesome mm -hmm. 90s reference, love that, yes. and uh, suggests using it. And it's funny because we see Jackie kind of like fighting, like, oh, that's mine, you know, don't use it. And Van just kind of shoots her a look and, you know, Jackie shuts up because you know, they're in the wilderness. So get over yeah. it, Jackie, get over it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the look that Van gives her is is A plus. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, and then, you know, Ben asks how bad his leg is. Misty starts talking and Thaisa cuts her off and tells him, you know, Misty's doing a great job taking care of him. They just don't want to tell him yet that Misty actually chopped his leg off with an ax, um, which I really loved when she did that because she didn't hesitate. She just went for it. And, you know, that speaks volumes of Misty's character. She just, she goes for it. She dives in. She chopped a leg off. No problem. Good yep. for her. Yep. Absolutely. I, I don't know that I'd, I'd, she's somebody I'd want to hang out with, but you know, I wouldn't mind having her come to my aid in a car accident or something. Yeah. I mean, you know, they would be kind of lost without her. So it's interesting in one situation, how she's, you know, kind of a, a bullied weakling. Uh, and then in this situation, she's a complete hero. So yeah, dynamics are interesting depending on the environment. Uh, and then we come back to 1996 and we see uh, Shauna driving and she calls her daughter and they have a funny exchange. 
yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Shauna calls her and, and says, hey, it's me. And, and Callie, you know, always so snarky is, yeah, I know. Do you not know how phones work? And she says, Shauna says, are you home? And Callie says, maybe. And she says, do you not know how being home works? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Which I love. <laughs> yep. Uh, and then Shauna asks her daughter, Kelly, to defrost the meat. And then she gets into an accident because, you know, she's on her cell phone. She <laughs> should not be on her cell phone. Yep. And, um, you know, Shauna and the other driver have a little interaction. And this is our uh, one of our favorite characters, Adam, a red herring, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she was just terrible to him. I felt so bad for yeah. him. Yeah. I had a flashback of her interaction with Jessica Roberts from episode one when she calls her a smug bitch. Um, yeah. You know, she's also a complete bitch to Adam in this scene. Um, Adam ends up writing the number of a body shop on her arm and says the guy there owes him a favor. And then, you know, Shauna um, writes her number on his arm, which is an interesting way to exchange information. Um, yeah. And then we cut to Jeff and Shauna in therapy. And this is this is an interesting scene. Um, clearly, they're having some struggles in the bedroom and mm -hmm. their therapist is giving them some advice. So what's their homework assignment? Their homework assignment is to not only have sex, but to share a fantasy with each other, something that they've never shared before. And their response was hilarious. Shauna just starts protesting. She goes, no. And then Jeff just cuts in with, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's clearly into the homework assignment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll see more of that, you know, uh, once once we get there. But in the meantime, we cut to adult Misty, still in the present timeline. And her date, Stan, is driving her home. Um, mysteriously, his car wouldn't start. So, you know, he ended up having to give her a ride. So that's interesting. I mean, car trouble. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I think her car worked just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Car <laughs> trouble, car trouble. We see again it, with Misty in the future here. Um, yeah, sure. and so then she invites Stan inside and mm -hmm. she says, uh, you could meet Caligula and then Misty, <laughs> you know, um, kind of goes into like guilt tripping him inside. And then, you know, as she, um, oh, actually we see a photo in the background, which it could possibly be the soccer team photo there. And then continuing with Caligula, Misty says, now Caligula's a little protective of me, but it's all for show. He's a total sweetheart, really. But do shield your eyes if he comes at your face. <laughs> as she proceeds to turn her lights on with a clapper. And That's then... Who do we see? We see Nat. She turns on the lights and she's sitting there with her shotgun and immediately says, hello, Misty, you crazy fucking bitch. And yep. Stan immediately says, okay, I'm out of here. <laughs> yep. So he gets out of that date, uh, avoids having to sleep with her. And, um, you know, this is this scene with um, adult Nat and the shotgun is one of my favorites of this episode, I think. Uh, it's interesting. I guess it has a scope on it. And something about, I was watching it with my husband, and he said it's interesting this type of gun would have a scope on it because something about it's either a long range or short range, but typically there would not be a scope on this gun. So I don't know if it's just like a prop thing or if there's something to it. But anyway, that was my husband's commentary on this scene. Interesting. Yes. Um, 
So then they have a little exchange and uh, tell us about the exchange between adult uh, Nat and Misty. Um, so Natalie says, I'm, I'm guessing you know why I'm here. And Misty says, the postcard. And she shows the postcard and kind of tosses it at her and says, yeah, the fucking postcard. And Misty tells her that she calls her silly, which I just, Misty's super calm during this whole scene and she's just kind of laughing it off. And I just, she, Nat's sitting there with a shotgun on her and she's just like, I think she's just happy that somebody's there. Yeah, Misty <laughs> and, um, does not seem worried about the shotgun in her face for some strange reason. Yeah. And so, uh, so she tells Natalie that she also received a postcard in the mail, um, but it was put in an envelope and, and was postmarked online, so they can't really trace it back. And um, she then goes to her, goes into her kitchen, into uh, one of her cabinets and pulls out this gigantic file of what everything that she has on the people who are part of her suspect list. Yep, yep. And, uh, you know, it, it turns out, um, you know, they head to a dive bar and keep discussing, you know, all of these things that Misty has. And uh, she mentioned she's a citizen detective. And speaking of citizen detectives, we sell citizen detective merch in our um, antlerqueenspodcast.com shop. So if you're interested, yeah. go check it out. Rock your citizen detective merch. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they're they're in the bar, and um, Nat's you know knocking the drinks back, and they're discussing who could possibly uh, have sent this postcard to them. And Misty's kind of showing her all of the evidence she's collected, and Nat says Nat pulls out a photocopy of a driver's license and says, "You found Travis." And what's interesting is the, the driver's license. Um, it's issued to a John Garcia in New Hampshire. So, and Misty says, talk about someone who didn't want to be found. So he's going by a different name now. Um, he is in New Hampshire, so he's not terribly far away, but he's, you know, not in the state. Um, and clearly he's been trying to live off the grid. Um, we also see Jessica Roberts's uh, business card. So we know that she's talked to Misty um, and Misty doesn't believe she's a reporter. Um, I'm sure she did some digging on her. And uh, and then the bartender offers them both a free drink from the gentleman in the back and says to Natalie, it's your drink of choice. And over walks this really good looking guy. Mm -hmm. And he just seems really surprised to, Natal to see Natalie. And we find out it's Kevin Tan, um, her best friend from high school. Uh, yeah, like, like that she was seeing seen doing LSD with at the party, um, and she just completely blows him off. I mean, like she's almost offended by his presence, and um, he just tosses his his business card and uh, says, "You know, call me if you ever want to have another a drink in another twenty years," um, and. They then head out the door and Misty pockets his business card on the way out. 
Yep. And then we are again back in the present. We're um, in 2021. We see adult Thaisa coming home with food. Uh, her wife, Simone, isn't thrilled that she missed the parent teacher conferences and they already ate dinner. And uh, Simone is concerned that their son, Sammy, isn't making friends after the teacher had kind of commented on that. And Ty, of course, says, do we know for sure that other kids don't suck? And basically, you know, kind of saying that, you know, she was kind of a loner at his age and there's nothing wrong with self-reliance. So this kind of sets the table for, you know, the Sammy situation, which is an ongoing thing throughout the season. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we cut to Jeff and Shauna's bedroom and it looks like they are trying to complete their homework assignment and it's not going well. <laughs> no, it's not. Um this is one of my favorite exchanges in the entire show so far. Um, they're getting ready for bed and, and Jeff is like, you know, I was just thinking it'd be kind of hot if if we uh, if we did that fantasy thing and maybe you pretended to be a customer at the store. <laughs> so they, yes, Jeff's fantasy is for his wife to buy furniture. <laughs> it's very interesting, interesting. Um... And uh, so they, they, they start getting into it and she says that she, um, she puts on a British accent and says her name is Tabitha. Weird and, name choice, by the way. Yeah. And um, Jeff introduces himself as Hank, the owner. And she said uh, she wanted to, she was there to return her armoire. <laughs> It was too big and she should have taken measurements and and that insults Jeff a little. He thinks yeah. that she's making, you know, making fun of him. And then um, he sees the number written on her arm and she had not even mentioned to him that she got in a car accident earlier in the day. And he says, like, you know, what's what's the deal with the arm? And she goes into the car accident thing and uh Jeff doesn't like that. So he ends up leaving and says he's going to go jerk off and watch SportsCenter before bed. So <laughs> I would say they received a D minus on their homework assignment. What grade would you give them? Um, you know what? I would also give them a, a D minus, but I, I got to give Jeff a little extra credit, though, for being so into furniture. He, lo <laughs> he loves furniture. He yes. clearly loves furniture and his inventory database and, yes. <laughs> and and all that. So yes, it is funny that his fantasy involves furniture. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after this failed homework assignment, we go back to the past and we see um, Jackie telling Shauna she's sure that Van hates her now. And, you know, um, actually, I've got a got a good pick to show here. I think this is yeah, this is, you know, Van just kind of given that dirty look to Jackie, um, you know, and I missed the Van Seabreeze moment earlier too, but I thought that we should give a nod to Seabreeze for that 90s reference too, while we're back on Van quickly. Um, and then we see Laura Lee. Uh, she mm -hmm. finds her teddy bear, Leonard, and she seems very, very happy about it until something spoils that moment for her. Yeah, she's hugging the teddy bear and she sees a couple of drops of blood trickle down onto it. Mm -hmm. And she looks up above and it's Coach Martinez. Uh, and he is impaled in a tree. I mean, his the lower half of his body is just gone. Um, he's clearly dead. And she screams, all the girls come running and they <laughs> start trying to figure out what to do. 
some troubleshooting, uh, problem solving. And uh, I think I like Jackie's suggestion, um, not because it would be effective, but just because it was really funny. You know, she suggests throwing rocks at him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then Ty, Ty seems a little shocked by that, but uh, Van, (laughs) Jackie then says, I didn't say rock someone's shoe or whatever. And Van says, oh yeah, that's a fuck ton smarter. You're on fire today, Jackie. Oh wait, that was supposed to be me. <laughs> yes, and that is one of the one-liners I was referring to uh, that makes Van my MVP for this episode. She just, she's she is on fire with the one-liners and yes. not on fire because she survived and got out of the plane. So yeah. go Van. I love Van so much. Mm-hmm. Same, same. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, Laura Lee suggests lowering him with ropes. And then Nat says, for fuck's sake, Laura Lee, we're not going to Tarzan him out of the tree. So, you know, they're just kind of going back and forth, figuring out how to get this impaled coach, um, out of the tree. And then we see Travis actually running up and climbing the tree. Clearly he's, you know, um, having an adrenaline moment because he's not really in his mind to think of, you know, climbing this tree and climbing out onto the branch, which eventually we see going to snap. Um, luckily he gets out of the way in time and, um, you know, his dad ends up falling out of the tree and it's, it's a little bit hard to watch there. Um, but then we see something here. Uh, we see the symbol on the tree. Um, again, you know, seen the symbol on the postcard and, um, speculation about the symbol. You know, there's been a lot of talks that it's part of a hobo code, um, you know, nobody actually knows what it means yet. So it's funny people like rock and bumper stickers and gear and all and and not knowing, but I think some people are just, you know, so into the show and the symbol that, you know, it's it's becoming um, quite a visual and mystery yeah. for the show. I lost two hours a few weeks ago looking up everything as to what it could possibly be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's a easy rabbit hole to get sucked into. It sure is. There's a lot of speculation on that symbol. So it'll be interesting in season two to see if we are able to gain any more insights into that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that camera pan with the symbol on the tree just starts weaving in that symbol even more. Uh, Obviously, we've seen it in the postcard, too. So, um, you know, everything they do is intentional. So I believe that there was a reason they showed that there. Um, and then after, after coach Martinez, you know, falls out of the tree, we're back in the present, uh, back in 1996 and we see Sammy and Ty. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, Sammy is just kind of sulking in his room and he wants Ty to read to him. Um, and he refuses to open his blinds and, uh, Ty, Ty makes a comment about it being like Dracula's crypt in there or something. And, um, she tries to get him to perk up. She suggests going to the park and he says he doesn't want to go because he doesn't have any friends. Um, and she uh, sits down and she starts doing shadow puppets with him and makes him guess. And she starts doing a dog, which she suddenly sees turn into a wolf um, with teeth. And she gets really freaked out. And she kind of like goes into a, a, a trance for a second there. Um, she snaps herself out of it and then goes over to his window, uh, opens up the blinds. And there's some really disturbing drawings. Really disturbing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's a little shocked by this. And uh, she says, 
why did you do this? And he says, so she can't see me. The lady in the tree, she watches me at night. And Thaisa asks her to tell him what he means. And she says his name, Sammy. And he starts singing, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy. It's really creepy. Very creepy. Um, but and it, uh, it, it goes with these images on his window that he drew. They're very dark. There's all these creepy eyes. There's these like yeah. shadow phantom figures. Everything looks very dark and very evil. And I mean, it's really sad to see, you know, these are the images living in Sammy's brain right now. So mm -hmm. there's clearly a lot to unpack with everything going on in Sammy's life right now. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh yeah, Sammy's a little a little tormented, poor kid. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. Um, and then after that, we cut to Shauna's house in the present and she gets a phone call from Adam. Yep. And he's eating a sandwich when he calls her. Like manners, hello. I know, I like chew your him. food and finish, right? Like I know. I would I would I don't care how hot he is, I would have hung up on him. <laughs> Yeah, respect yourself. Respect yourself. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he um he says that he uh he was calling because she didn't call the body shop. And she asks how he would know that and he says because I'm the guy that works there. I thought this prize would be adorable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um and so she declined. She says no. Um it seemed like she wanted to say yes, but she said no. Um, and then she sees a rabbit outside, goes outside, kills it, and uh, she takes it inside to cut it up. And uh, she does that because her daughter failed to defrost the meat. So this is going to be her dinner option for tonight. And what I loved about this was um, the way she described, you know, how she was cutting the rabbit. She said from uh, from chin to anus. I mean... <laughs> You know, I just, I love her vulgarity. There's just something like so natural about the way she delivers these sometimes, you know, raunchy or, you know, very F-bomby lines. Um, so I, I, you know, we see the rabbit theme again here with Shauna. And yeah, um, yeah from chin to anus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so she's slicing it up and pretty efficiently too. Um, yeah, she's very good at it. And, you know, um, we have this thing we do with each episode where we have a most likely to, and this moment for me was um, Shauna is most likely to crush it on a survival reality show, such as Alone. You know, she'd mm -hmm. be the one that can do all the hunting and all the butchering and all that stuff. So, you know, speaks to yeah. Shauna's skill sets here. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then, and then we cut to um, Nat's hotel room, adult Nat's hotel room. And, this is really my favorite song in the show. I love this song. I love this song too. It's not my it's not my my favorite song moment just because I thought Mother Mother was so perfect. Um, but I love this song. She's just drinking and she calls Travis and he answers the phone and says, I'm sorry you have the wrong number. And so I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure he recognized her voice. I mean, he has to have, you know, they had obviously a an entailed history together and I'm mm -hmm. sure he did. And he was just trying to play it off. So, you know, what happened with Nat and Travis? What's going on with Travis? Why is he hiding? This, you know, mystery box just creates even more questions, right? So we find out Travis is alive and hiding, but, you know, he, he doesn't want to be found. So why is that? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
And then um, we cut back to Shauna's house in the present and they're eating chili. Um, you know, they kind of talk about her new recipe, which of course is the rabbit that she slaughtered from chin to anus earlier. And uh, they really seem to like the recipe. So thanks to Callie for forgetting to defrost that meat. Um, but I, then, I love how they blow it off as she's just joking, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yep. They just assume that she's she's being she's being a smart ass and joking that she killed a rabbit and put it in the chili. But right. no, she's serious. <laughs> she's she's very serious. <laughs> um, and then we hear the song Glory Box by Portishead, which is actually my favorite song choice from the episode. Um, I loved how they used that to get from, you know, the Shauna eating chili scene back to the past with the girl sitting around a fire and we see Van eating corn nuts. And again, Van's my MVP. We have another solid one-liner here. Um, she's eating the corn nuts and then Jackie suggests maybe they should conserve food. And so, you know, Van says, oh, you want to save the corn nuts? And, you know, again, alluding to the fact that Jackie wants to save the corn nuts and, you know, maybe conserve the sea breeze. But when it comes to getting one of their teammates who are actively on fire out of a burning plane wreck forget it you know um which you know i get in a way it could have exploded yeah. she wanted to get her and her friend out there but at the same time like you know they they probably could have reached in and, and grabbed her so van clearly has a lot of bitterness going on surrounding this situation <laughs> yes and and major props to Liv hewson for the way they delivered that role that line because it was just the look on her face and the delivery was just perfect. <laughs> spot on, spot on. Van is totally my MVP for this episode. I'm going to keep saying it because she earned it for me. Yeah, for sure. And uh, then we come back to the present again. We are at Shauna's house and Jeff is doing his finances. And um, it looks like they're going to do a uh, do over here for their homework assignment. Mm -hmm. uh, Shauna comes up and says um, she's in the market for a new bed and it needs to be sturdy. So she should probably test a few options. So, you know, good yeah. for Shauna stepping into that role play and trying to fulfill her husband's sexual fantasy. I think that's great wife material there. So I wonder um, if that means that they that they had sex on like multiple surfaces in their house. <laughs> you know, it's it's very interesting to wonder about Jeff and Shauna's sex life maybe prior to when they got in this rut. So who knows what that history is like? We do know their teenage sex was, of course, you know, in Jeff's car. Yes. Um, so you know, interesting to see how that has morphed into adulthood. And clearly, they're in a rut right now. But hopefully, this just, will help uh, things up. And just playing on Jeff's fantasy, um, my pick for MVP for this, or I'm sorry, not MVP, but most likely to for this week was Jeff for being the secret founder of FurniturePorn.com. Yes. <laughs> um, he, if you have never heard of FurniturePorn.com, please check it out. The, the guys that run it haven't updated it since like the late 90s. But I was shocked and delighted to find out that it's still around um, and it's absolutely hilarious. You might be thrown off because it actually does look like a like a really bad porn site. Like you might start getting pop ups like crazy or something. But don't worry, everything is everything is safe for work um, and you won't get any crazy pop ups. But it's just it's hilarious. You have to go check it out. Furniture porn .com. <laughs> 
I love that. I had never heard of furniture until, you know, we were kind of messaging about it and um, really spot on with your most likely to this week, Kelly. I think, I think, you know, that website is hilarious. When I visited it, you were absolutely right. It looks like a legit porn site. Um, instead, it features, you know, furniture pictures, though. Mm -hmm. um, not actual furniture, porn. getting it on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yes furniture I think that was uh that was a really solid pick by you today Kelly yeah I mean Jeff's Jeff's sexual fantasies fantasies apparently involve buying furniture so hey <laughs> on brand on yes. brand um and then we come back to our past timeline back to 1996 again we see the girls at the fire and Laura Lee is saying the crash is all her fault um, because she kept screwing up on her piano lesson and her teacher kept yelling at her F sharp, F sharp. And so she called her a cunt. Laura Lee called her, um, her teacher a cunt. And that doesn't seem like the type of thing sweet Laura Lee would ever say. Um, and, and she did it just in her head. Like she didn't even actually say the words out loud. It was just like, she called her, you know, the C word in her head. And so she feels that God is punishing her for this. And um, everybody laughs, you know, it, it's, it's funny. It, it really infused some humor into the situation. And, and then some of the girls go on to say the reasons why they might've caused the plane crash. Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah. And Laura Lee was so serious about it too. Yeah. Um, like she yeah. really thought that she actually had the power to cause a plane crash just by thinking the word cunt. Yes. But, uh, but yeah, everyone starts laughing. And so she starts laughing along with them. And then Lottie, uh, Lottie blurts out that she steals shitty clothes from TJ Maxx and returns them. And she now has thousands of dollars in TJ bucks. <laughs> and I love uh, that. And I love TJ Maxx, just for the record. Yeah. Um, Jackie's was my favorite. Uh, I used to sneak downstairs after everyone had gone to bed so I could watch The Color of Night and pause it on Bruce Willis's wang. <laughs> I loved that. I loved that line. I thought that was hilarious. Good for Jackie. Good for Jackie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, <laughs> and then um, Jackie turns to Shauna and says, "What about you, Shipman? Any you got any secrets big enough to crash a goddamn plane?" And Shauna just looks terrified, like because you know she does have a secret that she's hiding from Jackie. She's been sleeping with her boyfriend. And um, they are saved by the bell, or, or in this case, saved by by Coach Ben screaming. Um, and uh, Misty had just chopped his leg off, uh, or no, I'm I'm sorry, she chopped she, his leg off earlier. She was disinfecting it, is what I meant to say. And she finally um, told him that she had chopped his leg off because up until this point, Coach Scott had no idea he was missing a leg. So this is when he yes. actually learns that his leg was. Um, chopped off, but he's, you know, not out of the woods yet. Misty did save his life. Um, and then Misty actually cauterizes the leg wound, which looked extremely painful. And Coach Scott passes out. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm glad he's passing out a lot through all of this, at least, because poor guy, man, he's had a bad day. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Like <laughs> really literally the worst day. Literally yeah. the worst day. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, and then after we see that nice wound cauterizing, we cut back to Shauna's house and Jeff's house in the present, and uh, they're in bed. It looks like they successfully completed their homework assignment, and this time I think they earned an A, so good for yeah. Jeff and Shauna. Yeah, let's give them an A. And uh, Jeff says, thank you for shopping with us, Tabitha, and he goes to take a shower, and um, Shauna? 
hears a noise on Jeff's phone and picks it up to look at it. Now, mind you, she doesn't actually log in and, you know, um, she just picks it up and it's on the screen. So it's not like she's searching through his phone. I mean, she heard a text, you know, at night and picks it up and it's from Bianca. And what mm -hmm. does the text say? It says, uh, tomorrow, usual place, 4 p.m., don't be late. Mm -hmm. um, so that's not what you want to see, you know? After having sex with your husband. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they've been in a rut. They haven't been having sex. And, and you know, they, they had a nice moment there and, you know, looks like they were on a good track. And then she sees that. And... Yep, yep. So Bianca, fuck you, Bianca. Uh, for, you know, <laughs> yeah. messing with Shauna's husband. And, you know, we'll learn more about that situation as the season goes on. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, and then we are stay, uh, actually, we go back to the past again, and we see the girls sleeping. Um, Misty gets up and she goes for a walk. She needs to use the bathroom. And she overhears Van and Laura talking and saying, thank God Misty's here. We'd be so fucked if she wasn't. And that was a really validating moment for Misty. You could just see in her eyes that, you know, everything she's done has been leading up to this, you know, whatever about all the bullying, like she was made for this situation and she feels really good about being the savior. So that was a, an important moment for her to hear that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, you know, I get the feeling like she doesn't usually feel like people want her around. And in that moment, she overhears people just expressing extreme gratitude for the fact that she's there. And, uh, so she, uh, she, she smiles. We see her smile. She's pretty happy about that. Yep. And uh, then we're back in the present again. We're back in the 2021 timeline. We see Natalie leaving her hotel. And uh, second time in the episode, a car won't start. Coincidentally, Misty shows up. And she's got, <laughs> she happens to have two coffees with her. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, pretty fishy. Pretty fishy. And uh, Nat tells Misty she's planning to take a trip up north to see Travis. And, you know, Misty says she had some errands to run, but she can take her up there. It could be like a road trip. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I liked the next line. I thought that was really cute. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you prefer podcasts or show tunes? Yes. And then we hear for the second time in this episode, Hold On by Wilson Phillips. Um, yes. Great song, and I love that song. Not my song choice of the episode, but second <laughs> time we hear that song here. And um, we then go back to the past timeline, and this scene is incredibly important. Mm -hmm. Misty finds the flight recorder, and you see this look of excitement on her face for a second. You think, like, you know, she's just like, oh, my God. And, and she could... Um, you know, that, that could add some value to her. Like, hey guys, look, you know, she could tell everyone found the flight recorder, but she decides to, um, she decides to, to try to up her stock in a different way Jeez. by destroying it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's their beacon to the outside world. You know, that's the yes. thing that's going to get them rescued. And right there in that moment, when she destroys that flight recorder box, she destroys basically all hopes of immediate rescue. Mm-hmm. Crazy. And, uh, this was Misty getting drunk on power, for sure. Yep. I, I mean, she had just heard, you know, that they'd be fucked without her. So, you know, she's she's taking complete ownership and control of the situation. And, you know, unknown to the other girls, she's controlling all of their fates at this point. So that was yep. a very and telling scene. 
it's, you know, it, I, it hasn't been revealed to us yet what the girls know, if they, if they know that she did that. Um, but I find it interesting that when she shows up at Nat's hotel, Nat does not want her driving. No. Um, and I mean, because Misty's essentially a kidnapper. Yes. And, uh, you know, she makes it clear she does not trust Misty to drive. So I, so that's kind of interesting. I wonder if that has to do with them, um, but Miss, but Natalie seems to have some control issues as well. So who knows? <laughs> yes. Um, and towards the end there, um, my favorite nineties moment happened and that was when right. Lottie opened up her caboodle and she took her medicine out of there and, and took a pill. Um, you know, we know that Lottie has, um, has some um, mental health issues and requires medicine. And, you know, she's obviously got a limited supply. So that kind of sets the table for, oh, what's gonna happen, you know, if her medicine runs out. But um, for me, what I liked about that moment was the caboodle. Um, I actually yeah. have a caboodle here in my background. I've always <laughs> been a big fan of caboodles. I love caboodles and everything about them. So I really love to see that in the episode. And, you know, also smart product placement. Yellow Jackets has been really smart with, with all of that. I mean, just in this episode alone, we have caboodles, we have sea breeze, which they actually say out loud, corn nuts, which they show and say out loud. So um, they're very smart with their product placement in Yellow Jackets. So props to their marketing and advertising team. Oh yeah, for sure. So to recap some of the music from Yellow Jackets episode two, F sharp, um, we heard Hold On by Wilson Phillips, which we actually heard twice. Uh, Medusa by the, I can't read it on the screen, but uh, Medusa by the Noonday Devils, uh, Kick It by Peaches and Iggy Pop, uh, Cherished Nostalgia by Devin Norris, Confetti by Ben, and my favorite was Glory Box by Portishead. And then um, Kelly, your favorite song wasn't listed here. That's weird, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't list um, Mother Mother by Tracy Bonham, which I'm, I'm not sure why, but Obviously, that was included in there. But uh, one song that we did not mention in this episode yet that we also didn't mention last week is the theme song, um, which it's not an actual full song. It was written just for the show. There's not a longer version available, um, but you can uh, download it. Uh, you can. It's called No Return, and it's by Anna Warrenker and uh, from the 90s band Matt Dog and Craig Wedren uh, from Shudder to Think. Um, so, you know, we've got a couple of nineties artists, um, doing the theme song, which I think is really cool. I really like the theme song a lot. Yes, I do too. Um, absolutely love it. The first time I heard it, I, you know, it's just one of those things that like stays in your head and it gets you excited. And, uh, I think, I mean, that's, that's it for the episode F sharp, uh, next week's episode, Kelly, tell us about what's coming up next week. Um, next week we will, uh, we'll be back and we'll be covering episode three called the dollhouse. Yes. Can't wait. So again, if there's anything you want to share with us from episode three thoughts, nostalgia songs, whatever, let us know. And we'd be happy to shout you out. Yeah, absolutely. If we want to hear it. All right. Well, um, thank you everybody for tuning in this week. This is the Antler Queens covering yellow Jackets, season one, episode two, F sharp. And, uh, Hey Kelly. Hey, what? Buzz off. Buzz off. Antler Queen's out.